Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Look, we're in for an amazing time this evening. I say that every time, but I mean it every time, okay? We're in for an amazing time. Um, So I want us to just launch this new month on a very high note. Like, what the Lord has told me about this month is God is going to restore a lot. It's going to be a season of restoration, right? There, There are certain things that have been lost, not because of hard work, not because of of life in itself not because we don't have the 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 ability to do these things but because doubt has stolen a lot of the things that God will have us do that that was the word of the Lord to me doubt you know and with this teaching series I want to eradicate abolish and abominate every modicum of doubt that is lingering anywhere in your lives completely so this month, what is the best way to eradicate doubt other than having a teaching series on faith? So this month, we're going to have a teaching series on the life of faith, living the life of faith. That's what it is, the life of faith. And, and there are so many definitions that come with this faith thing, and there's so many things to talk about theologically. But for this very introduction, I feel that, I mean, I already had notes to talk about definitions, Greek words. But this, this teaching in particular is going to be very simple, very short, but I, I think it's going to speak the heart of God to you because, look, God has big plans for every one of you, every single one of you, and I don't want you to miss out on them because your mind and your heart and your trust was not in God, okay? And this teaching is titled, Faith It Till You Make It. I know, I didn't make a mistake. I know you were thinking, oh, did he... Did he did you, you know, lago it? No, no, I didn't. Faith it till you make it. It sounds similar to what you already know. Fake it till you make it. And, and that's a statement that people say, you know, it might not look like it, just fake it, just accommodate, pretend like it, and somehow it will become it, right? If you're not the kind of person who, you know, can, you know, who likes to flex and go to the club, just fake it. Just pretend like you can dance and go clubbing and drink drinks and you become it eventually. You know, it's that kind of character modification to become something. But for the believer, that is not our system. Our system is not to fake it till it becomes it. It's to work it out through faith till the reality of what we are supposed to be like becomes what it's supposed to be. Does that make sense to you? All right, look, this is something I need you to pay attention. Grab your books, grab your Bibles. We're going to study the Word of God right now. All right, so can you just open and turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 20? There's a very beautiful story there, and this is how I want to start. You know, Jesus had told this guy so many times that he was going to be killed in different ways. He was going to, this temple will be destroyed in three days. He will build it. People didn't get what he was saying. You know, he had all these things, all the signs telling them you know, had this last supper with them. He was eventually arrested. And you know what comes after? He was crucified. And his disciples scattered everywhere. There was chaos all around. They didn't know where to go. Their master, who they had trusted for three and a half years, was nowhere to be found. Or he was somewhere to be found. But he was gone. He, was, he left them. 
yes, they left him first, but he still left them. And, you know, some of them had this little idea that if possible, you know, they, they were not even expecting it. They just wanted their safety. If they've come for Jesus, they'll probably come for us. And they were hiding. These guys were staying in a place. And by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus rose up from the dead. But what happens after? Jesus rises from the dead and then appears in their midst. Let's go to John chapter 20 very quickly. Open your Bibles with me. John chapter 20. I'm going to read from verse... Great. So we're going to read from verse 19. All right. Prior to this, Mary Madeline had seen Jesus resurrected and she told the disciples. So verse 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. So they were hiding. They had shut the doors, locked the doors, uh, locked the windows. There was no way anyone could get in. Um, at least so they thought. And, you know, they assembled there for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. This is remarkable. And, you know, last week, just last week, we talked about this glorified body that we're going to have as part of our inheritance. A body that will not taste death. And apparently a body that can appear into spaces even though the doors and the windows are shut. He appeared in the midst of them, literally. That is awesome. That is awesome. I've always wanted to experience that, and we are going to experience that. Um, it says, peace be unto you, meaning don't be scared. Look, this is a frightening experience. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Like, I read the story, I'm like, he, that was his introduction for them. Then look, I have conquered death and have conquered the grave. This is me. This is how you can identify me. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father sent me out, I also send you, you know, and then he said this and said that. But we're going to skip to verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So every other person was there. Maybe Thomas, some people believe that Thomas was going about um, doing, running errands and also checking to see what the situation was out. He was scouting to see what was happening so he could give them feedback. But he was not there. But eventually he came back, you know, and he was not with them, um, but he came back. And then the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. And said unto them, <laughs> the exact same thing. He said, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of his nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Look at that statement. He was like, this, are you guys kidding me? You saw the Lord. Me too. I must see the Lord. I must see the proof. I saw him nailed, or at least I heard he was nailed. So I need to see it for myself to believe what you're saying. And after, look at that, after eight days, so this was not even immediate. This guy was still wallowing in doubt. He was not sure. And then after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came. The doors being, I love that detail. The doors were still shut because these guys were still afraid. But Jesus came and stood in the midst. He always appears in the middle of them and said, peace to you. And look, I love how that 
this this gives a mental picture and i'm not one of those teachers that would sound motivational and say look even in the baddest times the worst times of your life god is always in the middle i'm not, I'm not saying that but but there's something beautiful there's a picture here that even in the midst of doubt jesus appears he is present and he also brings with his presence peace so there's a lot of chaos happening there's a lot of doubt going on but he brings his presence and he brings his peace and that's very remarkable verse 27 then he said to thomas look he came for business he knew where the problem was when he first appeared it was all of them that had this doubt and he said look check it out check it out check it out do you believe me now and then he came this time for thomas it was clear after he, he came and said peace be unto you relax it's me he looked at thomas immediately said look at this reach your finger here and look at my hands this tells me that jesus knew the doubts of thomas he knew he understood the doubts of thomas he heard but guess what he does he doesn't reprimand him right away and say look at you Yes, you are not serious. Look at your head. You, 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 you. You've been saying Jesus, Jesus. Now that 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 I've come back, you are doubting me. He didn't reprimand him. He didn't, you know, yab him and 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 say all those things. He wanted to help him out of the place of doubt. And I find that remarkable. Look at what happens next. And said, "Put it to my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing." Can you say that with me? He says, "Do not be unbelieving." But believing. <laughs> he said, look, let me help your doubts. Let me help clear them out. And verse 26, 28, I beg your pardon. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. That was his response. And I find it interesting that he, he, he remarks God. And no other time has, has it been you know, noted and recorded that he called Jesus God. But in this moment, he, he realized that this was only possible if this person truly was God himself. And he says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, and this is where we are landing, verse 29. He said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believed. I, you had to see me before you believed. You had to see with your eyes before you, you believed it will happen. And during my earthly ministry, I had told you this severally. I had told you that I am to suffer and receive glory afterwards. The law and the prophets also said this, that I will suffer, you know, ought not, you know like he told the, the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and then receive glory. Don't you guys know this? But you had to see before you believed. Because you have seen me, you have believed. And Jesus says this statement, concludes it on this note. And it's the same thing he is saying to you right now. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believed. It tells me that God values the unseen believer who sees. <laughs> it's crazy. He values the believer and, and, and commends, let me put it that way, the believer who has not seen the very thing they've been hoping for, but yet they believe like they have seen it. And look, folks, look, that's what faith is all about. Faith is, is the 
ability to see what is not yet like you have seen it. That is what faith is all about. And, and look, to be honest with you, it's, it's very easy. I, I feel that a lot of human beings struggle with this, with being able to believe in something that they have not seen and being able to believe in something even when it's small, to believe that that small thing will become something phenomenal and something big and something significant. We struggle with it because we are so, I believe a lot of humans are so in tune or so reliant upon their senses, so reliant on what they see, what they perceive, the, the, the physical senses. And because of that, a lot of people have missed out on what God would have them do because they're not seeing with the lens of faith. They're not seeing and believing with their heart. Praise the name of Jesus. And, and my job is just to help you know that, look, when it comes to faith, it's not a microwave formula. It's not a, I want it, I, I have it, you know, and then I get it. It's not that kind of very sequential equation. There is, before you believe and you receive, there, there can be such a gap. There can be such a great distance. And I'll give you a lot of exa examples to just help you understand what I'm talking about. But look, one thing is sure, that God is faithful. If he has said it, he will do it. No voice or no word, I beg your pardon, of the Lord shall be sent and return void. It's not possible. God is, is worthy of your trust. He's worthy of, 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 of your faith. He's worthy of your belief in him. He wants you to hold on to him like your life depends on it. But I'm telling you that you need to act Look, when it comes to faith, it's not about faking it. It's not about pretending like it is. For example, you know, there's this common notion that we have in the African society where someone is very sick, you know, and, and say, ah, this one that you are shaking, what's happening? Are you okay? Ah, yeah, you are hot, though. What's happening? You, say, you, you are shivering. No, I'm fine. I'm strong. I'm strong. <laughs> Should we take it to the other? I'm strong. Hmm. I'm okay. I'm strong. That is not what faith is. I know you're trying to have the possibility mentality, but that's not what faith is. Faith is not just positive speaking. Yes, it, it's marked by it sometimes, but it's, it's more about where your heart is at. Anybody can say I'm strong for any reason because of tradition, but do you really believe that you can receive your healing? In fact, what you find out is that those who expressed faith in Jesus and received healing from Jesus during his earthly ministry were people who actually admitted that he had problems. <laughs> so faith is not dismissing that you have problems. It's accepting that there are problems, but believing in God's ability to solve those problems. So this man who is blind and needs help and he asks God for, Jesus, you know, help me. He realized that he, he needed help. He, he, he's, he's a son of David, you know, even the guy who had a son that needed to be healed of, of that torment he was happening, he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I need help. I know that I have a problem, but only you, I recognize that only you can solve that problem. Help me. Help me, Jesus. And does Jesus help? Absolutely. That is where faith comes in. Praise the name of Jesus. But see, what God wants to do is he wants you to start thinking big 
and, and speaking his love language. He wants you to start putting faith in him. I've said this before, but I'll say it again, that the love language of Jesus, you know this um, Gary Chapman, five love languages, you know what they are. Um, if you can mention them, mention them right away. You know what they are, about five of them. There's what, quality time? You know that, right? There's words of affirmation. There is gift giving, right? Giving of gifts. Um, there is um, acts of service and there's physical touch, right? Some people say money is, money is part of them. Some people say sleep. Some people say, like me, chicken. Um, well, <laughs> there's a lot to go around. But, you know, those are the love languages. And what are love languages? They're simply those things that appear as love to someone. So I read a story, a very funny story. In fact, it was part of the books of um, Gary Chapman, where the husband and wife, they've lived together for so long. And the, the wife was, you know, in the kitchen. She was cleaning the plates. You know, she was washing the dishes. She was cooking. And the husband would just go, you know, beside her, just hug her from behind, just peck her on the cheek and say, baby, I love you. I know she would smile like, mm, thank you. Love you too. He'll go again another time. I love you. Just wanted to say I love you, babe. You know, he'll write a letter, a beautiful card, drop it in front of her. I love you, baby. You, you mean the world to me. And he'll say all these things. Babe, you look so great. You look amazing. You look beautiful. And he's saying all these things. And one day, <laughs> glory to God, this guy came back home. And, you know, she was in the kitchen again. And he just came and said, babe, I love you. Uh, you know, and she smiled again, and the smile was different. The next day again, as he came to her, as he was about to say, I love you, she looks at him and says, babe, do you really love me? And this guy froze. He was speechless. Like, wait, wait, wait. Consistently, I have been saying, I love you. I do this, I do that, I, I write cards, I get you flowers, I, I shower you love and kisses and all of these things. And you are asking me, do I love you? You're like, what, what else? And maybe you, maybe you can relate to this. You've done so much for someone, but you can't understand, like, why are you still asking me if I love you? The problem is not that he didn't show his love. The problem is that she didn't perceive it as an act of love. Why? Because her love language was actually acts of service. So she asked him, because I'm asking this question because you don't wash the plates. You don't help me out. You don't give me a foot rub. You don't take out the trash. You don't do the chores in the house. Do you really love me? And he was shocked. He was so shocked. Like, how am I, <laughs> you know? And that's just how it is, even with God, because you might go to church on Sunday. You might go for midweek service during the week. You can pay your tithes and do this, you know, give gifts to the Lord, raise holy hands. But if you don't walk in the love language of God, he will not be pleased with you. He will not. Just like that woman was not pleased with her husband, even though he had done all those ceremonies, the things he thought was love. If you don't do this very thing, this very love language that God speaks, he will not be pleased with you. And yes, it's possible for God not to be pleased, even though you're doing things that are seemingly right. Because the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Think about that for a second. 
It means that you can do all these things. See, it's, and it goes on to say that, you know, and uh, without faith, it's possible to please God. And the one who must come to God must first believe that he is and is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, when it comes to your relationship with God, one thing that God wants to see when you approach him in the place of prayer or anything that you do that is somewhat spiritual activity, he wants to see that your faith is in him. He wants that trust. He wants to see your heart. Like, where is your heart? Is it is it inclined to his? Is it do you trust him for even the littlest things in your life? If you try, let me just give you an example. If you try to do things, make decisions on your own, and you exclude God out of the picture, he's displeased with it. That's that's the reality I'm bringing it on a daily basis. You're meant to make a big decision whether you want to do it in your relationship. You want to do it in your career, in your ministry, whatever it is, in your family. But God is not involved. You don't commit your ways to the Lord. You don't lean on His, on, on his own power and his, his wisdom. You lean on your own understanding. He's not pleased at all. He's not. And, and that almost comes off like you don't love Him. Do you get the picture now? But what God wants is the one who can say, God, see, I am not going anywhere unless you lead me. I am not taking this direction or this step unless you lead me to take that direction or that step. That at every point, even though he has led you here so far, you still seek his leading in other things. You still express trust in that way. And that's the reason why we even pray. Because prayer is a way of expressing trust in God. Say, God, look, like we prayed just at the beginning of this teaching. Lord, I can't go further without your strength. Renew my strength. Those are the things that tickle God's fancy. He loves the one who trusts in him. But specifically in this teaching, what I want us to do as we go on is to just help you understand that faith is not a get rich quick scheme or get answers quick scheme. That That is not what faith is for. It's not magic. It's not just a wave of a wand and you say about a cadaver and something happens. Faith is super powerful but it has its incubation. It has its incubation period, just like any child. When you conceive, there's a period of gestation before the child is born, before you see the manifestation of the conception. Does that make sense? And I want to help you understand that faith must come with perseverance. In fact, that's the very definition of faith. It's an enduring trust. It's not just, I trust you for now, let's see if it works. It's not a gamble. It's till the very end I am sticking with you. I don't know who I'm speaking to right now, but God wants you to trust him. Like you've experienced so much hardship in your life, but he wants you to trust again. He wants you to revive, renew that commitment of trust in him again. To try his faithfulness, to test his goodness in your life. Praise the name of Jesus. And we're going to do a, a very short commentary on Hebrews chapter 11. I want to just help you see some things that are commendable about these people of faith. And then we just uh, I'll just show you some areas where um, God wants us to express faith. So open your Bible to Hebrews 11. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 1. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. And this is what it says. It says... Faith, and I'm reading from, uh, I'm reading from the NLT, but let me read from uh, King James. 
Bowery from verse 1 in NLT says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So let me read it from the King James. Um, the King James Version says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, and people have misread the scripture time and time again. Now faith is the substance. Now faith. So faith is now. If you want it, put your faith. It will happen now. Faith is now. It's now. And that gives the wrong picture of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. But it's not a now formula. It has its period. It has its time. And that's why we, we live in a culture where our attention span is so low and so short. We live in a place where we want things. A microwave generation is what we've been called. But God wants a faith generation. People who can persevere in the knowledge of the Lord. Who can persevere in trusting Jesus. Alright, so it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not seen, by, I beg your pardon. For by it the elders obtained a good result, re- report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And so many people might ask, why do you believe God created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when that happened? How did you see it? By faith. I saw it by faith. All right. And to be honest with you, even logically speaking, that is the only thing that makes sense. If you're going to have creation that is as intelligent as we are. When you look at animals too, they're absolutely intelligent. Watch some of these documentaries. Some of you watch Nat Geo Wild. You watch all this Discovery Planet and Discovery Channel, you know, stuff. You see these things. Animals are very intelligent. And you have to ask, no human being created an animal. No human being created another human being. No human being literally creates a tree. We, We can plant trees, but we don't create trees. At the end of the day, you have to ask the question, where did this intelligence come from? The only explainable thing is if, if this physical plane is that intelligent, then there must be a plane outside of the physical that made the physical plane exist, right? And so it's logical, but let's, that's, I digress, sorry. That's some apologetic stuff. It's so that the things which are seen, exactly what I said, were not made by the things which do appear. So the things you see were not made by the things that are seen. All right. Verse 4. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. All right. Verse 6. It is possible where we, where we talked about it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, look at this. We're going to verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not as yet moved with fear. All right? Moved with fear. Uh, beg your pardon. Yeah, verse verse 7, yes. Sorry for that. Verse 7. By, no, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet. And, and the emphasis on this one is, look, Noah had not even seen the signs. And, and historians have cause to believe that this whole thing that happened with the flood had never happened before. Even the idea of rain 
had not happened, like rain falling from the sky, before they had had water come from under the ground to irrigate their farm produce and all of that, but not rain. So this was unique, all right? And even without this, he moved with fear, prepared an act to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, look, these are the stories of, of what you see as remarkable faith, but really it was a step of obedience. These people did not see these things, but took the step. Noah didn't realize that it took almost a century before the floods came. Imagine spending a huge portion of your life building some ship, some ark that you've not even seen. Like, imagine building this under hot sun. There is no cloud. You're not even seeing a glimpse of what rain would be like for year after year after year. Some of some people, even in this day, can't live up to 100. Imagine spending all that time building an ark. But surely and eventually it happened. It happened. No, Abraham's case, you know how he was called, you know, leave your parents' house to a place that I will show you. Not that he said, okay, um, Abraham, I need you to go somewhere. Let me send you the, you know, the, the link on, on Google Maps. Maybe, you know, you can find your way. Get it. This is it. Someone is waiting for you. No assurance. Not that there's someone waiting for you. Not that you know where to go. Just go. Just go. And I will show you. And I'll show you where you should go. I will show you everything and every step. Look, it, it, it sounds like a story, but it happened. These were real people. Real people. This was Abraham's first encounter with God. And yet, he was going to take this step that would change the life of his family. There are some steps that God is expecting of you that are audacious. They sound silly. They sound so reckless. But God expects it of you. He wants you to act like Abraham did, act in faith. He was called to go to a place which you should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Verse 8. Verse 9. Now look at how, he, he, <laughs> you know, the writer of Hebrews took his time with Abraham's story because there's so much to learn from it. Verse 9. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise. As in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Look at that. He looked for a city. His mind and his eyes were not set on what his reality was, but on where he was going. That's exactly what was happening through faith. Also, verse 11, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And the funny thing that you realize from this story is not that these guys at any point did not have doubts. And we're talking, we'll talk about this next week. All right. Through this series, I'll teach you how to handle doubt, how to deal with doubt. But when you look at these guys, you might be like, ah, these guys are so awesome. What? You mean he left his house, went to a place he didn't know? This is ridiculously incredible. But when you look at their stories, you see that at the point, Abram actually doubted God. He didn't believe that his wife Sarah, I mean, the very fact 
that he had Ishmael was a, was a, was a testimony of that. The very fact that Sarah laughed, even when those angels visited Abraham, shows you that there was some doubt. But when you look at the story of their lives, that's how God sees it. He knows that there might be doubts here and there, but what is your disposition till the very end? Is it one of faith? Do you still count him just and faithful till the end? Do you judge him faithful who has promised? Praise the name of Jesus. Look, look at verse 13. He says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them. That's what faith is. That even though you not you have not received the promise, you saw it from afar, and were persuaded that this thing will come to pass. That is faith. Persuasion. That's actually what the, the Greek word means, pistis, to be persuaded, to be convinced of a fact. And look, I'm saying this because, and I'm using the stories of these people because it might not actually look like it, but God wants you to know that it will happen. He wants you to take that disposition that even though you're not seeing it, it's going to happen. And let me just give you situations where you need to have this faith come alive all right i'm going to just go here quickly uh, the first thing is this god's love and promises to you number one god's love and promises to you these are places where it's easy to doubt you know places where it's easy to not endure in faith and number one is god's love and promises to you first peter chapter one from verse six this is what it says i'm going to read till verse nine in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been on, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold. Look at that. Can you see how God, you know, categorizes value? It says that the genuineness of your faith, if your faith in God is really genuine, it is much more valuable than gold which perishes, though it is tested by fire. You may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So your faith will be tested by fire. It will be tested by ugly circumstances. But the value of genuine faith that comes out of the fire is much more precious than gold. Come on, think about that. Verse 8, whom having not, look at this, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. You're receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We read this last week. And this just says that, look, you haven't seen God at any time. You haven't seen him. You, you might have had visions, you might have had dreams, but you've not seen him. You've not shaking his hand. Hey, God, how far? You never. <laughs> That's not how you should greet God, by the way. You haven't bowed before him. You haven't looked at him. You haven't seen him. You haven't felt his hands like the disciples had the privilege to do. But you believe in him. You love him. That is what faith looks like. That is what genuine faith looks like. Blessed are those who haven't seen, yet they believe. And I know sometimes it's hard to believe that God loves you, especially because of what you're going through. But that is the testing of your faith. Is God the one testing you? I can't say. Life happens. The devil tries. There are calamities and tribulations and persecution. Just because for the very fact you name Jesus as Lord, there will be persecution. But what I do know is that trusting in God 
is worth it and God loves you. His promises are sure. And God wants you to count him faithful, judge him faithful who has promised, just like Sarah did. You can believe that he loves you. You've not seen him, but you can know that he loves you. It's not about how you feel in that moment. Oh, I don't, I don't feel loved by God. I don't feel like God loves me. See, let me tell you, the times, and this is, this is a conscious practice. Don't think it's just supernaturally come. It's something to teach yourself. But even in those moments, you don't feel loved. You feel dirty. You feel like you are far away from God. You've messed up too much. To so just look at God and say, God, see, ah, God, I, I know you love me. I know you love me. Right now, I might not feel like it, but I know you love me. Because I walk by faith and not by sight. And not by feels. And not by chills. Not by thrills. <laughs> All the ills. I don't walk by them. I know you love me. I know you love me. How do I know you gave your son for me? Oh, man, oh what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we have been called sons of God. You didn't receive a certificate to literally sign that you are a child of God, but you know this by his spirit in you. Glory to God. God loves you and his promises over your life are sure. Promises of salvation, of an inheritance, of eternal life, all of it is sure. The ones you have received, and the ones that you still look forward to, that Jesus is coming back, that is sure. That is something you can count upon with all of your heart. But don't trust your feelings on this. Don't judge. Don't, don't. Remember what I said? God's love language is faith, not feelings. It's never about your feelings. Praise the name of Jesus. Number two thing that is easy to, to just you know lose hold on as regards your faith is righteousness walk. Your walk of righteousness, if I put it that way. Righteousness walk. Um... For many reasons, there's a very po high possibility that you feel like you've not improved. You might look at your life last year and you say, this thing I was struggling with last year, I'm still struggling with it this year. You know, where is the growth? I feel like I'm back in square one. I'm going through a vicious cycle. I feel like I'm repeating the same thing over and over again. And there's nothing ahead for me. I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I'm stuck. I don't think God is helping me. I don't feel like I'm righteous. I don't feel like I'm saved. And that's the point. It's feelings. It's all feelings. That's the point. God wants you to trust that he is doing a work in you, that this work he has started, he will bring it to completion. And Philippians 2 verse 12, after saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, tells you that it is God who is working in you, both to will and do of his good pleasure. It's a work in progress. And God needs you to partner with that work in faith. He's not saying fake it till you make, till you make it, till you are like it, to pretend. It's not about pretense, it's about power. God is actively working with you and working in you to be who he wants you to be, to be righteous in truth, to be holy in truth. He wants you to look like him. So best believe he is invested in it. He just needs you to believe. Yes, you failed. Yes, you've done things that are silly and are stupid and you shouldn't have done. You made terrible mistakes, but that's how patient God is. It's just like a parent and a child. After that child has made so many mistakes, you still bear with them and teach them what to do and help them when they fall and pick them up. At least a good parent will do that. But how much more God, who is the standard of goodness, 
God loves you. He's invested in you and he's not going to give up on you. So you've had doubts that, look, it doesn't feel like I, I, I'm, I'm making any changes or improving. Believe it. Faith it till you make it. Faith it till you start to look like what God wants you to look like. Trust in his process and his work in your life. Amen. Glory to God. Number three, your assignment and your purpose. So this is one thing that is easy to doubt. It's very easy to doubt what God has called you to do and that you have God's endorsement and his support because nothing is working out. Because it doesn't look like anything is, is happening. You're not getting the financial support. You're not getting the emotional support. You're not getting support from friends, from families, from people that you trusted. People are betraying you left, right, and center. It seems like this call on your life, this big dream, this big ambition that God has had for your life, nothing is, nothing is moving. Nothing is happening. But like I said, faith is a process. Is both an act and it's also a process. There is endurance that comes to it. Don't expect it that immediately you want, you know, you receive this vision. By next day, you should be doing this and doing that. People, while different people can achieve something in a very short time, sometimes it delays for other people, and that's fine. It's still the plan and purpose of God. All right, look at this verse, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Very uh, interesting scripture. I'll read from verse 14. Philippians chapter 4 from verse 14. It says, nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress. This is Paul speaking. He was imprisoned and he's saying, you guys have come through for me in my distress. Verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. So he's saying, look, when I was doing ministry in Macedonia, I was abandoned. I didn't have support. I felt like God had called me to do this. And not only what did he feel abandoned. Look, if you look at the story in the book of Acts, you see that Paul on many sides was persecuted. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. But he went ahead. No support. He was arrested. He was beaten. They said only these guys, only the Philippians showed him some, some, at least he had some support there. Only them showed something to him. You know, they gave him some comfort. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Look, even when he was in Thessalonica, they helped. Not that I seek the gifts, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He said, I'm not looking at the material things. They help me, but I'm looking for the results of the work I'm doing in these places. Oh, what a mindset. Indeed, I have all and abound. And when he says I have all, obviously we are not thinking that he has a mansion and has cars and is the most affluent man. When he says he has all, he means he has all the resources he needs for the work. It might seem minimal, but it's enough. <laughs> I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. A sweet-smelling aroma and acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. It just tells you that when people give sacrificially for the work of the Lord, it's always a pleasing sacrifice. Just for you to remember, any time you take this step, to give, to support the work of God, it's a sweet smelling sacrifice to God. And in verse 19, and he says this prayer to them, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And you're asking, Pastor Ken, how does this relate to what you're talking about, about assignment and purpose? It's this, that if you see, if you were in Paul's shoes, you, you, I promise many of us would have given up already. Do you know the things this guy suffered? 
for this for the sake and for the name of Jesus do you know the things he suffered on for, for the account of Jesus but somehow even in the darkness the Philippian church was a light somehow this guy is just removed to send him ah brother Paul might be hungry brother Paul might need this and need that we heard he was beaten let's send first aid kits to treat his wounds let's send food through Epaphroditus to help this man who has invested so much in us let me tell you regardless of all the struggles somehow there was always a ray of hope there was always supply somewhere that Paul says see I have all I need because of you guys I have everything and that's exactly how God provides when he gives assignments, things will go rough, but somehow, eventually, he always knows how to supply our, our needs according to his riches and glory. He knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. So, yes, you felt unsupported. You felt like God has abandoned you in this thing he's giving you to do. But let me tell you, God is faithful. You need to judge God faithful in your case. Judge him faithful. You might be believing God for that master's. You've looked forward to it. You are sure that God wants you to do your master's because of the, the encounters, the experiences you have, the people you interact for the gospel's sake, interact with. But somehow you, you, your, your school fees is about 10 million naira, the equivalent of 10 million naira, and you're like, where would I get that money from? Scholarships have not come through nothing. Let me tell you, if God has asked you to do something, you're sure it's the will of God, it will happen. It will happen. It will happen. But you need to judge God faithful. You need to let your faith persevere and, and, and endure. Let your faith exercise. Let your faith be patient. It sounds weird to say, but let your faith be patient. Praise the name of Jesus. In everything, you need to know this, that God... He is intentional about you. He will not leave you by the wayside. Praise the name of Jesus. I said this before, that we walk by faith and not by sight. And, and the context of this verse is, is in 2 Corinthians 5, where he, you know, he's talking about, you know, we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven, you know. And then he says that, you know, not, uh, for we are in this tent, we groan being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but for that clothes, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us his spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, verse 6, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the lord look this is just a very strong statement of this of what paul is saying that look if we are present in this body we are absent from the lord but if we are absent from this body we are present to the lord we walk by faith and not by sight we are confident that if we die at any given point we will be with the lord that takes a lot of confidence but like i said it's not about what you see or don't see have you seen heaven before have you seen angels floating in the sky before? Maybe in a vision, but have you seen the Lord who himself died for you? You haven't. But there is just this confidence you can carry that I have not seen it, but I believe it. Praise the name of Jesus. And I, I, I want to bring this back to you on a personal level, especially in the assignments God will have with you and this walk of righteousness that we all have to walk. That it might not look like it. You see, you know, Jesus said you are the righteousness of... You know, Paul said, I beg your pardon, that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5. 
you know that's who you are but you messed up you've made mistakes you still make mistakes how am i the righteousness of god in christ jesus don't tell me that how can you say i'm dead to sin yet i'm living every moment to sin and now there's a place where you need to check things especially when your desire is for those things and your your conscience is almost dead those are things to check but at the end of the day if you truly mean well and you truly want to live a life that god wants you to live you need to faith it till you make it. You need to trust his ability to walk in you. You need to understand that it takes time sometimes. Good things take time. So sometimes you take time. Amen. You need to believe it. You need to believe it and trust in him. Many of you have given up this year, I know. Many of you have wanted to throw in the towel. And you've wanted to just stop. Like, what is this adulthood? What is this life? Maybe some of you even lost people along the way. You've lost friends. And you're like, what is life at the end of the day? Things are not going well, but God wants you. This is this is God begging you and pleading with you through my voice to test him and judge him faithfully again. Judge him faithfully again. He will come through. That's a promise is given to us. He will always come through for us. The assignments is given you, you will complete them. The work of salvation and sanctification that is happening to you, he's going to finish it. You need to trust him, partner with him. Like Abraham, you might not have seen a, a sign of a child for a whole 25 years. But if God said it, it will happen. It will happen. I want this to stir faith in your heart and believe God. Some of you are already receiving testimonies. But some of you have not even, you're, you're seeing the testimonies all around. You're seeing that this new person just got this job. This new person just got this amount of followers. This new person just did this big thing. This person just got this sponsorship. But look at you. You start to compare. You start to look. And God is saying again, you can count him faithful. His timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. Look, many people have dropped their faith just at the point of breakthrough. Just at the very point where it was supposed to happen. They had just stopped. And they missed out on the blessing. But that will not be you in Jesus' name. Can we just share a prayer right now? And I want you from the depth of your heart to just pray this sincerely, that God, in the name of Jesus, help me to endure in my faith. The Bible says the one who endures till the end shall be saved. There is, there is a place of endurance and perseverance when it comes to faith in the Lord. So help, just tell God, like that man, Lord, help me. Help my own belief. But Lord, help me to, to stay my faith on you. Help me to trust you no matter what. No matter what season of my life I'm in, in the dark and bright times. Lord, help me to trust in you. Help me to hold on to you with the arms of faith. Help me to see your plans and your promises with the lens of faith. Lord, I will not be sidetracked and distracted by the hardships and the difficulties. I trust you regardless. I'll keep doing what you called me to do at the same the same way you've called me to do it even at an increased momentum but I will not be dissuaded I will not be distracted because this person is doing it this way or that person is doing it this way or I'm not even seeing the result I'm expecting to see my faith will stay in you because there is the blessing of the Lord I will stay 
stay with you. I will stay in your work. In the name of Jesus, I put faith and trust in you. All that you've asked me to do, I will do. In the name of Jesus, I trust you, God. The harvest is at hand of all the labor that I have sown. The harvest is around, and Lord, I will witness it. I will be around and alive to see all that you've promised. I will see all that you've given to me. Oh, Lord, I receive them through faith. I receive them through faith. I will not be amongst those who started. Ah, he started well, but somehow, you know, he just stopped. Ah, she started so well, but look at where she is now. That will not be my story. My story will be one of endurance, one that will inspire many to faith. In the name of Jesus, when they recount my life, they will also put me in the hall of faith amongst those who trusted in God, even though they didn't see what it was that God had for them, even though they had not seen the manifestation, but still believe. Oh Lord, I will be like those ones in the name of Jesus. In every aspect of my life, I choose to judge you faithful. I choose to enjoy my faith in the name of Jesus. Come on, are you praying that prayer? I'll give you a few more seconds. Pray that with all of your heart. Pray that with all of your heart right now. Pray that with all of your heart right now, your faith will endure the test of time. Your faith will endure all hardship in the name of Jesus. Capanende caridas, so pronco funsti quien de nebendes, brocoton bracatis, zincaton dos sovrend, y brinquitavano sevesh, papani carida vianato sombru cotu, panda de diavo sosh, benequeti ya diaboro sova. Hey, thank you, Lord. That's my life. It's a life of faith. It's a life of faith for me. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Daddy, we love you. We thank you. Lord, I pray so shall it be for everyone here. Under the sound of my voice, Lord, their lives will be one of enduring faith. We will not count cowards. We will not count people who give up. We will count many with boldness and courage who decided to to keep their faith on the Lord, to keep their eyes on his promises. Those will be the people we'll raise here in this ministry in the name of Jesus. Lord, till you return, you will come and find faith in all of us. You will see us and say, Lord, oh, my children, full of faith, full of hope, full of anticipation. That will be our testimony in Jesus' name. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus for all of you believing God for something at this time. And supernaturally, something is holding it back. The, the enemy is holding you down, hindering your progress. In the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. In the name of Jesus, I dismantle the plan of the enemy in your life in Jesus' name. Amen. I cut it short. Amen. I cut it short in the name of Jesus. Amen. Progress Amen. is yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Results and success are yours in Jesus' name. Amen. You will prosper and nothing else. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, when they brought the 
the ark of the covenant to the house of this man. His house prospered and everyone with him. Because the ark of the covenant, the presence of the very Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. You will prosper and nothing else in Jesus' name. Oh, I thank you, God, because it is so. In Jesus' mighty master's name we have prayed. Amen. If you want to give a shout of victory because you know that all that God has prepared for you is yours already. Can you give Jesus a big shout? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.